This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as a Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Our lesson today is titled Legacy of Generosity, and it comes from Philippians 4, 14 through 23. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk Inc. could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with a tax-deductible gift, so won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS-approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or catch us wherever you listen to your podcast. We're there too, whether that's Spotify or Google or Amazon or iTunes. We're there also. Just search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. As we pick back up in Philippians, we're going to see the rest of chapter 4. We should finish out this book today. And as we've gone through this book, we've seen several things that Paul has said to this church. If you remember, there was really three main reasons why he wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. The first reason why he wrote this is a thank you letter for their support. And we're going to see that again in this lesson. Remember, he is in prison in Rome when he writes this. And he thanks them for the support, and we'll see more about that. Second thing that we saw uh, in earlier chapters, a warning about false teachers, how folks were going to come and try to spin the gospel in a way that benefited them. And then last was a pleading for unity. And we actually saw this chapter start off that way, where there was a dispute, and he pleaded for unity amongst these two women. Well, as we've looked at this particular chapter, the last chapter, chapter 4, we've seen three lessons that I've taught out of this chapter. This will be the fourth. The first one was around perfect peace, as I told you, how there was a division and how they should, we should have the same mind and we should have patience and we should find our joy in Christ. And then we looked at verses 4 through 7 where we saw about putting it into practice. And Paul really talked about be careful what you put into your mind. We need to think about what's true, what's honorable, what's just, what's pure, what's lovely, what is commendable, what is excellent, what's worthy of praise, and then do that. Put it into practice. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to walk it out or live it out. And then last week, we studied about you can do it, how we're to put our trust in God no matter what, and that we should thank God in the circumstances that we're going through. We also needed to let God use us to minister to others. Sometimes we pray because we have a financial need, is what we talked about last week. And God just doesn't rain money out of the sky, but he uses people. And we need to be willing to be used to help that person in need when God speaks to us. 
But whatever it is, we should be content in all situations. Again, that is having the faith in God that he's going to take care of us in his time. And the last thing we finish is that we can do all things through Christ. It is through Christ that we get our strength. It's through him that we're able to have the patience that passes all understanding. It's through him that we can face whatever we face and be content and think lovely thoughts knowing that God is going to take care of us in the right time. Well, that really picks us up on verse 14, and we're going to finish out the chapter now. So if you would, turn with me to Philippians 4. We'll start in verse 14. I'll be reading out the ESV. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into the partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my need once and again. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Ephrodites the gift that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So I told you one of the main themes of this letter was Paul giving thanks to this church. And we see it right here that he thanks them for their financial support that they have sent him over the years. This is 10 years since he founded that church. Last week we talked about how we should be vessels for God, used by God to help minister and listen to him and give to that person in need. It spoke to me as I read this, no church shared with me. Paul writes that. And I know why this jumped out to me because I can tell you as I've talked to folks that are in church and outside of church that people in general are stingy. Many people are just pretty stingy with their money. But not only with their money, with their time, with their resources, and even with their knowledge. Well, this makes me beg the question, then why are people stingy? I think we know the answer to this. One, we live in a fallen world. We, are, we have a depraved heart by default. The Bible tells us that we walk around uh, serving the ruler of darkness, or that would be Satan. Others would possibly say that they're also in a, a wanting or a needing mode, that they don't have enough in their life right now to, to be generous. But most of all, we are born with a selfish nature. We care more about our own stuff. We care about mine, mine, mine than helping someone else. I remember my children when they were little playing together and one would get a toy and the other one would want it and they would pull at it and the other one would say, no, mine. And that's the way we are even as adults. And then last there are those that don't believe that they should have to give. They don't believe in generosity. They don't really believe in what the Bible says about it, which is kind of funny because I'm about to point out to you, for example, in Proverbs 11, 24, and 25, it says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. We're going to be careful that I'm not a name it and claim it, but I think it's a principle of God as we go through the Bible and I point out this stuff to you that giving people always have more. What I've seen in my lifetime 
is that God blesses those that bless others. God gives more opportunity to those that he knows that's going to share and help others because, again, God uses others to supply that need. Now, I know some of you are probably going, oh, well, great, Tim's now going to talk about tithing. This is more than tithing. This is giving in multiple ways. And again, I think God teaches us a principle here. It's about being a giving people. And people that give, just in my lifetime I've seen, have more. The other thing I notice about these people that give, though, is they give all the time. It's not just on a single Sunday or every Sunday. They give throughout the week. They look at ways to help people. They are a giving people. As a matter of fact, if you sit here and honestly stop and think, you can think of somebody that I'm talking about. They'll give you the shirt off their back. They'll do anything they can to help you out if they see or hear of someone in need. Let me give you another verse about this principle that God blesses those that bless others. Look at 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 and 18. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Some of you are probably already turned off. But there are some of you listen to me that are agreeing with me because you are a generous person. You understand what I'm talking about and that this is true. And those of you that are resisting what I'm trying to teach you right now may be because your heart isn't generous. You're living as a taker, not a giver. I can tell you this principle in my life I had to work through and live through. I still struggle with this at times that I all of a sudden find myself hoarding stuff. But I grew up with three other brothers. I, I came from a very good family. I had a Christian mom and a Christian dad. They taught us that we are to be generous. Now, I didn't get everything I wanted, but I got more than I needed from them. They taught us a good work ethic and they made us work. They just didn't give us money all the time. Even though I grew up in a good, rich environment that I should be more generous than I was, I had to break myself of this. And one of the ways I broke myself was I forced myself to do it. I felt the discomfort of doing it. But as I did it, what I would find is I had a peace and a joy. And I saw the help that I gave and the ministry that it made to that person. we got to be careful that we don't do this out of the wrong heart. But again, remember that God wants us to be generous, and if God speaks to us to give away, we should give it away. Matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I promise you, become a generous person with your time and your money and your talents, and watch what God does with your life. Some of you are going, well, Tim, I just don't have enough. I'm only reaping sparingly, so I can't sow. I can tell you there are people that still sow even when they reap sparingly. And I want you to understand that I know this to be a fact that blessings follow a good heart and those that are generous. So let's get back to our text, right? So he first starts out that you were kind to share with me in my time of trouble. So he's thanking this church. He talks about the time that he was in Macedonia, how no church entered into a partnership with him. But I want you to look at what he says in verse 17. 
He says that not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Right here again, he's saying, I'm looking for you to be generous because I want you to go to your credit. And this is where people get it wrong. First of all, they get it wrong because they have the wrong heart. They have a stingy heart. And we have to have the right heart. And we got to go to Jesus and ask for him to help us in this area. But if we also have to then be willing to give, and sometimes it's sacrificial. Listen to what Luke 6.38 says. Luke 6.38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. See, many people get caught up in the given unto you, and they don't get into the give part. They want the, to receive, but they don't look at the give. Paul makes it clear right here that he wasn't seeking a gift from the church. As much as he appreciated them and what they had done for him in the past, he wanted them to become givers because he knew what it did for them. We need to understand this principle. What you need to stop and think about today, you're either a giver or you're a taker. Now, some of you are going to run out of here and say, and Tim's all about teaching that you need to give, give, give so that you get blessed, blessed, blessed. Well, I'm not teaching today that just if I give $100, I'm going to get $100 or more dollars back. I may not. I am going to get a blessing from God somehow. I don't know what that somehow is. I'm not a name it and claim it. I'm not a wealth and prosperity preaching. What I am telling you is about a biblical principle that God teaches and that we see right here that when we give, that we should be a giver and because of that, we receive blessings from God, whether that's financial or whatever it is. Again, he says, I want for you to be credited. I want it to go to your account. You think about an account, I think of, when I hear that word, I think about a bank account and how what goes into that bank account gets credited to me, right? It shows that the benefit to me, the owner, not the one who knows the owner. Another verse around this blessing that I keep telling you about, Psalms 37, 26. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. And this verse teaches that if we are a continuing, lending, generous person, that this effect passes down to our children. The children become a blessing. So let me ask, are you a taker or are you a giver? I just thought about this as I'm telling you about character that you should be developing Think about generous people. Have you ever met one that didn't have good character? The sad part is there are so many people that are trying to amass just stuff. As we have been transitioning from Mississippi to Florida, a lot of the stuff that I acquired, I got rid of. I gave away. Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. See, a life of Christ is about being involved. It's not one that you merely sit back and watch. There's a lot of people in the church today. There are a lot of Christians that are just sitting back and watching, and they're not experiencing. I was interviewing a potential hire for my company, and this was a young guy right out of school, and I asked him about why he wanted this role. Why did he go into this role? And he said something that really stood to me. Maybe it's because I was preparing for this lesson. But he said that he wanted this role so that he could experience life better. In other words, this was strictly going to be a source for him to have life experiences. Let's look at verse 18 real quick. There are some key phrases in verse 18 I want you to catch. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. A fragrant offering is what you sent to me. 
a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. First of all, we talked about being content in whatever state we're in. We hear right here from Paul again about how he's content. But then he also turns it back on them and he says a big thank you and he talks about the blessing. What does he finish with? Hey, I like the offering that you gave. It was a sacrifice that was acceptable and pleasing to God. There are a lot of people in the church that give money to the church, but I don't know that it's acceptable and pleasing to God. And you might go, well, Tim, isn't anything better than nothing? It is, but are they giving? Do you remember what Jesus said about the widow woman? She gave sacrificially. She, and there was people that gave more, but it didn't mean anything like the woman who gave everything. Listen to Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Learning to be content like Paul is right here is a very difficult thing to do, and it takes practice. We talked about this in, in the last lesson, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time in it. But we've got to have faith every day, and we've got to walk in that faith with Jesus, and God will take care of us in the situation that we're in, whether it's financial, whether it's health, whether it's a relationship with someone, whatever that is, Jesus will take care of us in his right time. I told you last time that this was something that I've had to work on as well. And most of us, if we're honest, we would agree that we're most of the time discontent because we live in a discontent society. We've been trained by society to be discontent. We need a bigger building. We need a faster car. We need more technology. Have you noticed that the technology of yesterday is garbage? That we got to have the new version? I was made fun of at work because I had an iPhone 8 multiple years back that it had been into life. But I kept it because it worked. Folks were saying, why don't you have a 10? Why don't you have a 12? Why don't you have a 14? I finally had to get a 14, and it wasn't because I was trying to keep up the Joneses. My iPhone 8 finally just stopped working. The battery wouldn't hold a charge. I say all that, and my point is that we are discontent about what we have and the stuff we have, and that's why we want to amass more. That's why we want to get more. Again, listen to what the Bible teaches us in 1 Timothy 6, 6-8. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. We brought nothing into this world. We're going to take nothing out. We need to learn to be content in our situation and what we have. Now, there's nothing wrong, like I said last week, with having a desire to work your way up the corporate ladder. But when that becomes your priority over God, then we're no longer content we have a problem of priorities. You might be asking, Tim, why are you talking about contentment again? Well, you can't be generous if you're not content because every opportunity for generosity appears to be keeping you from buying or doing something in your own life because you're about to give something away that would make you more content if you were able to get it. So as we walk with the Lord and we mature, all of a sudden we start understanding that finding contentment in the things of God that nothing else compares to that. This is why fasting, I think, is in the Bible. A lot of us are, I don't know what I'm going to eat. What do you want to go eat tonight? What do you want to eat tonight? 
tell you what, go on a three-day fast and all of a sudden you won't care what you're eating. You won't get tired of the same old, same old. My point is that we need to learn to be content in whatever state we're in. Now look what he says in verse 19. Turn to verse 19 with me real quick. And I think this sums it up best. It says in verse 19, And my God shall supply all your need, some folks say needs, but it's need, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, the final component of understanding and having a life of generosity is understanding that God is our provider. Paul says, God will supply your need. Paul understands and he's experienced the fullness of finding his contentment in Jesus, realizing that God will supply what he needs when he needed it. Do you believe that God is all-knowing? If you do, then God knows that you need food and shelter and clothing and healing and contentment and passion and direction and courage and love and so forth. And he says that he will supply your need in everything. God knows where you are and what you need. He brought you into this world. Job 37:23 says, As for the Almighty, we cannot find him. He is excellent in power and judgment and abundant in justice. He does not oppress. See, God is a blesser. What he's saying there at the end is he does not oppress. God is a blesser. He's not a destroyer. He's a blesser. He's a loving God. The same God that's trying to bless you isn't the same one who's trying to destroy you. One of the biggest reasons why we struggle with this verse, even though we love to quote it, is that we don't believe and we don't understand that everything that we have has come from God. God has given us everything that we have. It's all his. He's just loaned it to us. And he asked for us to just give 10% back. God is talking to some of you today and telling you to clean up your stuff. And you're telling him, it's all my stuff. Well, it's not my stuff. It's his stuff. And some of you don't have a generous mindset because you think that your stuff belongs to you. But it belongs to God. And he's the one that directs us on what we do and how we give. I'm out of time. So let me just summarize all this. That we need to trust that God is going to provide us for all our need. Just like it said. We have no reason to fear that God won't do it. His word promises it, and we walk in faith. We're saved by faith. If you are generous with your time and your money and your knowledge, God will recompensate you. He knows your need, and he will make sure your need is met. In this section of Scripture, Paul is thanking the Philippian church for their generosity, and he says that God will meet your need. When you give out of what you have, even if you're in some type of need, God will continue to meet your need. We need to learn to have the mind of generosity. And, and again, the Bible teaches us that. Look at 1 Peter 4.10. It says, As each one of you has received a gift, minister to one another, a good steward of the manifold grace of God. God's given you something, and he's telling you to be a steward. Be a steward of all your stuff, your gifts. Use your gifts to minister to one another. Have you ever thought of it this way? That God has made you a steward of his stuff? Do you remember about Joseph? How he was hired by Potiphar, a captain of the guard of Pharaoh? He was an indentured servant, but Joseph raised to the point that he took care of everything. He was a steward for Potiphar. Matter of fact, the Bible says that Potiphar didn't care about anything except what he was going to eat or drink that Joseph took care of everything for Potiphar. 
God put Joseph in that position so that he would be ready when Pharaoh came to him and made him steward of all the supplies to give out when the famine came. And if God came to you today and asked you, were you Joseph? Did you manage his tangible stuff that he's given you and were you generous with it? We need to take that mindset. We need to quit worrying about holding on tightly to what we have because we're afraid that God's not going to meet our need. That's not faith. That's faith in me, not in God. I can tell you, if you become a generous person, God will supply your need. He does it every single time. Choose generosity over stinginess. Don't have a stingy heart. We allow God to work on you today. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before today, Lord, and as we wrap up this book, Lord, I thank you for our time together as we've studied the rich nuggets that are right here in your word. Lord, let us have a generous heart. Lord, work on us today. Let this word fall in a good, fertile soil. Lord, let us walk in faith. Let us understand that you will supply our need, that we need to give, we need to be generous, and that you're going to take care of us. That is that walking in faith that you call us to do. Lord, let us also understand it isn't our stuff. It's your stuff that you've made us stewards over. Lord, that we'll be found worthy of being a good steward over what you've given us. And Lord, let us hear where you want us to give that generosity. Lord, open the door so that we can start walking in this faith. Lord, allow people this week to have an opportunity to be a generous person to help bless someone, to pass it on as the saying goes. Lord, I pray right now for the one that showed up today that maybe they're in a time of need and you're telling them that you are going to supply their need. And yet there's another person listening that is there that you're telling to supply that need. Lord, I pray today the one that is in the time of need that you'll give them the strength to hold on to you that you're going to supply that need. And the one that you're speaking to that is going to supply the need for you, that they will do it. Lord, that we will bless one another. We will use our talents like we saw in 1 Peter. And Lord, I pray for those that are listening today would understand that this is a ministry as well. Lord, I can speak for this radio station. I can tell you there have been times where the transmitter blew up and there's been times that we had issues with computers that have gone out that somehow we have had just in time that need met. Lord, I want to go publicly on record and say thank you to those that give in a time of need, that have a generous heart. Lord, let us all be generous and give to move your kingdom forward. Lord, I pray for the one today that may be listening that's never accepted you as Lord as their life. Maybe us talking about having a stingy heart versus a giving heart made them do self-awareness. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray today, if they are not walking with you, Lord, if they never made the conviction and admitted that they are a sinner and that they need you, Lord, I pray today they would do that. It's as simple as the ABCs. They would admit they're a sinner and they need a Savior. Lord, they would believe on your finished work on the cross. Lord, they would believe on you dying and overcoming death. And Lord, they would commit to follow you, to love you, to put you first in their life. Lord, that they would chase after you. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings you do give this ministry. It's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.